and welcome to episode 79 of Penny Red. My name is Daniel Hodges. And I'm Sean Hayworth. Sean's back. That, and that was, that's that Chris. You can see wandering Kristen around the background, in the background. there watching, uh, watching the podcast. Uh, Christian, you can hear on many episodes in the past, but it's just Sean and me again uh, this evening after, I don't know, it must be a ooh, bit of months maybe since we were last. Yeah, yeah, about that. Yeah. You're more and more hirsute every time I see you. Yeah, yeah, I'm slowly turning into a wolf for the winter. It's good. It's good. I've got Movember coming up in a few <laughs> days, so I shave for my wife um, uh, so she can have some uh, not whiskers going up her nose every time I move into smooch her, um, but uh, that will shortly be disappearing as I begin to take on the persona of uh, Tom Selleck, perhaps quickly nice. down under more than Magnum PI, but, but there you go. Good, good, good um, choice. So what are we doing? What are we doing? We are going to take a look at um, Sage Latour and Adam Koval's newest game, which, uh, well, it's a play test at the moment. There's no firm information regarding when it's going to become an actual game. It's sort of in play, it's not even in proper play testing at the moment, but we're going to talk a bit about it. I've never run Apocalypse World. That's my, that's my uh, sort of angle here. Sean has played Apocalypse. He knows rules. Whereas when it comes to rules, there's some sort of a saying, <laughs> something to do with monkeys and a football or something like that. But that's uh, that's my thing with, with rules. I'm not very good. Um, which is why which is why I had to write my own games. That way I could be certain that I have, would have the authority on rules at the table. Although um, we've already run into situations where people have disagreed with me and I've been wrong. So um, so there you go. So we'll take a look at Dark Stars Rise, sorry, Black Stars Rise, sort of from the ground up. So short documents, about 19 pages. Um, and if you look for Sage Latora plus Sage Latora um, and G plus, you will probably find him and find the uh, the document there, assuming that it's not gone into, into um, what's it called, limited alpha or limit, limit, I forget exactly what the word is, but uh, like anyway. Like closed beta or something. It looks like my pictures have gone, but my sound is still good. So, oh, look, there he is, he's back in. All right, so, um, all right, so Black Stars Rise. Um, what is it? I'm going to read the blurb from the front, and then we're going to get on to talk about um, how you might actually go about running Apocalypse World or something like that. Because um, although I've interviewed Vincent a number of times, um, and also Hamish Cameron, who's got the sprawl, and now just recently Adam Cobol, and then Sage. Next time, I've never I've never run the game. I understand sort of the concept, but um, as I said, when it comes to rules, monkeys and football. Anyway, so <laughs> what is this? <clears throat> it's a game of normal people caught up in the strange, dark truths of the universe. It's based on Apocalypse World by way of World of Dungeons. This document is incomplete. It presumes that you've read Apocalypse World and or Dungeon World, Monster Hearts, Sagas of the Icelanders, etc. This document only describes how this game differs from Apocalypse World. If you're not familiar with those games, you can read Dungeon World for free at website Give It. A good way to describe what the characters do, you know how the X-Files, you know how in the X-Files, Mulder and Scully are always showing up to different places where strange things are happening. You're going to play the people in one of those places, but Mulder and Scully are never going to show up and save the day. Good luck. You'll need one GM and three to four players. Okay, so that's kind of the setup. It's a uh, Apocalypse Weldy sort of X-Files. Um, Sage has said that it's um, sort of... Uh, 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 what's the word? Um, it's to do with Call of Cthulhu, to agree. Played a lot of Call of Cthulhu, and so it's sort of uh, talking about that. But it's also a... Um, uh, what's the, I'm not sure. I don't want to say response to because I don't know if that's necessarily accurate. But anyway, there's another game that recently came out. Do you recall what it was? It starts with T. Uh, oh yeah, Tremulous. Call of Cthulhu. 
Tre- tremulous. Tremulous, right. But, Cthulhu, by the way, right. of Apocalypse uh, World, right. Right. Um, and that's more about sort of investigation and so forth, whereas um, from what I can gather anyway, this is much like, it begins much like Dungeon World um, in media res, you know, like you start right in the thick of things and then stuff maybe goes downhill from there or uphill or slightly sideways, but anyway. Mostly sideways. So <laughs> That's right. Um, so anybody who is familiar with the show will know that one of my favourite books is uh, Project Twilight, and I very much enjoy uh, games where regular folks are sort of railing against things beyond their understanding and or outside their realm of uh, what they can cope with on a, on a general day-to-day basis. So it's very much in my wheelhouse, as they say. What's not in my wheelhouse is the rules. Now, I've spent the last week reading through um, Apocalypse World with varying degrees of success in terms of understanding things. So I'm hoping that Sean, who is a rules meister extraordinaire, is going to be able to put me on the straight and narrow and also um, is going to be able to, maybe for anybody else that's not sure on, A, Apocalypse World or any of their various and varied hacks, um, but is also going to be able to help me maybe piece together how this differs because this is a much more sort of, at least from my uh, initial um, foray into it, is a stripped-down version of Apocalypse World in, in, in many, many respects. Uh, yeah, that's exactly what it looked like uh, when, I was, when I was kind of looking over it. Uh, <clears throat> when uh, in, the, in the blurb, they, they said that it was... Uh, it was based on Apocalypse World by Way of World of Dungeons. Yes. Uh, and I don't know if you've gotten a chance to, to see World of Dungeons before. Uh, I haven't seen World of Dungeons, no. World of Dungeons uh, was written by, I am trying to remember the, the, the de- designer's name. It's the same guy that did Lady Blackbird. Uh, John Harper. John Harper, yes. Uh, I should know that. I've played with the man before, but name just escaped me. Uh, and basically what he did was he, he stripped out almost everything from Apocalypse World, yes. and you just have effectively one move that covers everything. Right. Uh, yes. And so, like, when I when I was kind of glancing over this, it really looked like they they pulled, like, all of the, all of sort of the, the stuffing out of it, uh, out of Apocalypse World, and just started picking the things that they really needed. Uh, yes. Reduce the number of stats you have, and, and yes. uh, the playbooks are really uh, significantly more sparse than a, a yeah. Apocalypse World or a Dungeon World yeah, sure. character. Sure. None, none of those are condemnations, by the way. I think this like this game looks amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's still an alpha. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, sure. I don't even know if it's alpha. Is it, does it count as alpha? It's just, I have no idea. I don't know where they I are. Don't know. Well, I really don't even know what those words mean. Um, <laughs> I just, like, play-tested stuff and then changed it and gave it to somebody else and then play-tested it anyway. But um, so anyway, it's in uh, alpha or pre, pre-alpha or, or anyway, whatever. Um, stuff's happening. Um, it's not yeah. ready for a sale. Um, not close. Uh, so anyway... Um, Let's address some of those first things. Now, maybe uh, you're going to be better at this than I am, and I can ask some questions, but what is um, Dungeon... What is... Uh, sorry. The Apocalypse World engine do, in your opinion, anyway? In in, in my opinion, what, what Apocalypse World does is it... Or well, does for you. How's that? Uh, yeah, that, that, that works, because invariably, whatever I say is, is going to be wrong. Somebody will correct me, and that's okay. I don't mind being wrong. Uh... 
the the first thing that I noticed is that it really puts uh, the fiction first. Um, yeah. So so most games, uh, Dungeons and Dragons, most notably, but a lot of games do this as well. Uh, you get into a situation, and the the GM will say, "Well, what do you do?" Uh, and you'll say, "You know, I attack the goblin with my sword." Uh, and then, then there's already the the whole like rigmarole of of combat skills, or you can you know go through your list of special powers and be like, oh, I use my uh, I don't know super strength to rip through the door or whatever. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but but where Apocalypse World shines is that it really it it puts it on the player to sort of narrate what they're doing and what they're doing in the fiction is what triggers the rule to be uh, the rules are all broken down into what are called moves uh, but but the move to be triggered so so you can just keep going along and talking back and forth until you get to a point where fictionally these rules come into play and then you roll them and then the resolution moves you back into the fiction, which you then reincorporate into what you're doing and, and keep going. Okay, example. Let's do an example. Okay, so um, I am, um, and let's talk sort of in generalities rather than in specifics here. So I'm um, going to uh, go and grab um, some money out of somebody's pocket, right? Like somebody's in a, in a market somewhere, let's just say, for example, my guy wants to go along behind somebody and, and try and lift their coin purse or wallet or whatever it is that they find that they've got valuable I've noticed. Okay, so so do you do you just like, uh, do you sneak up behind them? Is like, what, what does that look yeah, like? Yeah, I'm going to make use of the fact that the crowd's sort of bustling. I'm going to wait till it's sort of a busy area. I'm going to wait for a moment where maybe somebody's being jostled. Maybe a cart comes along and so people are forced off to the side of the um, off to the side of the mark so the cart can come through or the car or whatever it might happen to be. And in that sort of um, place where people's personal space sort of shrinks up a little bit, I'm going to go ahead and try and filch this item. Okay. Uh, and it, you're just you're just trying to get cash. Is this somebody you know or is it a, like a, a, just a random? Um, well, it's, it's not cash. It's uh, somebody has got a, um, a book um, that I want to get uh, that I want to get hold of. It's a um, – at least – what I've been told is um, it's a book that has details of various runs that are being made between different holdings. Um, and I want to find out what that schedule is so that I can make sure I grab the right. Um, so when I attack a convoy or something, I'm going to get the stuff I want. Okay. So uh, let's, let's, let's skip ahead. You're, you're like in that scene, right? Like you see right. the guy that you're, you're, you're going for. Uh, right. So, so what does it look like when you, when you, when you sneak up behind him? Like, or, or um, when you when you go to grab him, what what does your character do? Um, well, I'm just I'm waiting until the um, I'm waiting until the cart, um, which has got uh, various engine parts and so forth on it, uh, comes through. And as we're sort of pushed off to the side, I'm going to move in close. And so when uh, when the cart comes by, um, I'm just going to like bump him um, and uh, try and grab up this uh, this book. Okay. Uh, now at this point. If we were playing, it would depend on which yes. game we were we were doing. To, that would depend on like what. Okay, let's let's what, say let's say it's a let's say it's Apocalypse World. Okay, so in Apocalypse World, I I would say all right, uh, that sounds like you're trying to act under fire, and the fire is that uh, obviously that the the guy catches you while you're doing. It. Uh, yes. So at that point, you would roll. 
2d6 plus cool. Uh, yep. And if you get uh, if you get a 10, then you're you're golden. You do the thing that you want to do. You you grab this guy's, you right. know, you grab the book from the guy. Yeah. Uh, if you roll less than a six, you miss. Uh, yes. And I, as the GM uh, or the MC, sorry, uh, get to get to respond with with an, uh, another rule or a, a a move of my own. Excellent. Uh, Let's go to that in a minute. And if you if you roll kind of in the middle, uh, a seven to nine result, then you you get some of what you want, but things get complicated. Right. So maybe somebody else sees me or something like that. Right, right. Yeah. So then, be... then it turns into maybe a chase through the bazaar or whatever. Right. Uh, but the the important thing uh, is that things never, you know, it, it's it it never comes to a standstill uh, because right. the, the GM has specified uh, specified things that they can do. Uh, right. That really. Right, so let's talk. Let's talk about that then, okay? Because that's really an important part of the, of the whole thing about the, the apocalypse world and hacks, right? So as soon as you don't roll to get what you want to get, something is going to happen. Now we've talked about this a lot, um, and I talked about this um, before I'd read uh, Apocalypse World. Apocalypse World sort of came out right around the. I know it wasn't anything to do with the playtesting. Apocalypse World came out right around the time I was putting Victoria together, and at that point I was steadfastly staying away from all role-playing stuff. Um, some people don't work like that. That's what I do. Um, I just try to, to nut out what it is that I'm, um, what I'm, what I'm putting together. So um, I wasn't aware of that, that thing. So the, some of the initial um, conversations you can hear have in Penny Red, the very early episodes, we're talking about, you know, you go to pick somebody's pocket um, and you fail and nothing happens, right? And that's really one of the things that I, I, I tried to steer away from happening in, in Victoria. Um, and also, I guess, probably other games um, did, did similar things. But Apocalypse World um, has some very specific things that can happen if you blow that roll. So we've talked about what happens if you roll seven to nine. And although we're talking about Apocalypse World, this same sort of um, – no, this exact structure happens um, in um, Black Stars Rise. But we'll get to some specifics of Black Stars um, in a minute. But I think it it's behooves us to – um, spend a little bit of time talking about Apocalypse World, sort of the granddaddy of of all of these uh, of all of these hacks. Um, so, so your role is under a so seven to nine. The MC, as they're called, is going to make things more difficult. You get what you want with conditions, right? So, uh, whatever those conditions, sort of. Usually, uh, on a seven to nine result, uh, that is going to be determined by the actual move that you're making. Uh, I'm I'm actually looking. Looking this up right Example. now. All right, so uh, okay, I've got my uh, uh, I've got my um, <clears throat> PDF copy that I that I got from uh, I've got a podcast uh, one right here, uh, Bill, yeah. like that. Okay, so what are we talking about here? We, we, we were talking about doing something under fire, which is kind of the generic like. Okay. If you don't have another specific move, yeah, that you're doing like doing something under fire is kind of a good fallback. Yeah, uh, sure. So on a 10, 10 plus, you do it. On a 7 to 9, you flinch, hesitate, or stall. The MC can offer you a worse outcome, a hard bargain, right. or an ugly choice. So right. let's let's say you rolled somewhere between 7 and 9, uh, and you were yeah. trying to get uh, – so so now you've, you've got a hold of the book, right? Uh, but, uh, but, but you see, like, like one of the, uh, one of the, the, 
the uh, the hardholds uh, guards. Uh, yeah. we, we, we'll call him Doghead, uh, who's a mean motherfucker. Uh, yeah, and he's he's like walking down the street, coming right for you. Uh, right. He hasn't spotted you yet, uh, but you know that like when you when you pull pull that pull that book, uh, it's 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 going to cause a world of shit to come right down on you. Uh, right. At which point I would say, what do you do now? <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And that's one of the sort of the the main tenets of the thing. It's it's like a what do you do now style questions whenever anything happens. Right. Like the, there's never there's never the pressure is never really. Uh, I wouldn't say it's never let off, but the pressure there's a, a conscious effort to make sure that something is always happening. Right. There isn't any there isn't any downtime. And in fact, the the rules suggest that sometimes something happens, and then the, then the MC will say, okay, it's a week later and such and such. Right. So there's no yep. there's not really any of that uh, downtime. Um, right. And exactly. in a couple of conversations I had with with Vincent, I want to say Vincent, I mean Vincent Baker, um, who wrote Apocalypse World. Uh, we sort of talked about this idea of. Um, you know, like uh, the, the the interest just to focus on the interesting stuff, and you can and that downtime that uh, that invariably happens. You don't have to sort of play that or, or force anything, any force any action into it. So, right. Um, so yeah. So right. you just say like, and and then okay. So that happens in a week later. You know what has uh, what's transpired, or how's that how's it all worked out? Like, or or it may be even okay. So um, you managed to get away from dog hidden out of the holding. You guys managed to get a plan together, and now you find yourself in. Um, uh, Deadwater Canyon, uh, staring down on the convoy of five trucks uh, headed by Dogheads, you know, you know, eighteen wheel or whatever, right? That, that right. sort of idea. All right. So, so um, when it comes to rolling a seven to nine, um, I'm talking about um, Black Stars Rising. There's no specific re- reference to um, what it is that I'm looking at. If you're wondering, I'm just looking at the document here. If anybody's uh, wondering why I'm looking down. Um, or if anybody's listening, they're, they're wondering what the flipping paper noises are. I'm flipping through my copy of, of Black Stars Rise. Um, so would you say that those same things apply? So, like, I'm, I'm going to run this game, um, and then when they roll seven to nine, those are the choices I'm going to give them. I can't remember what they are. I'm going to have to write those down, but those are the choices I'm going to give them, right? Right. Right. Uh... <clears throat> so I'm, and I'm like I said, this is the this is the first time I'm really getting a chance to to sort of look over it in any. No, detail. no, it's good. It's good to have a fresh pair of eyes on it. So we're not. Uh, so that my uh, my ineptitudes, you can say no. Look, you're totally out to lunch there. Yeah. Uh, so the way it's set up, um, it looks like like their their sort of most basic move is take a risk, which is effectively. Uh, in in dungeon world, it would be defy danger. In apocalypse world, it's yes. under fire. Uh, yes. <clears throat> so, uh, and, and it looks like you can you can uh, the way they have it set up is you can roll it with any stat. Uh, and yeah, on a on a seven to nine, it's exactly like what we just did. Like you'll have a tough choice uh, about what you're going right. to do. When you get that seven to nine roll, uh, okay, all right. Well, let's let's make a specific reference now to Black Stars Rising. Okay, so let's just take that same that exact same situation. Um, this time though, we're not in a hard holding an apocalypse world, which for those that aren't aware, it's sort of like a apocalyptic future where there's no shortage of bullets or fuel of some kind. Um, 
but other stuff is scarce, like yeah. say tomatoes. Just, um, just so everything. Now else. let's talk about uh, black. Right, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah, everything else. Um, so black stars rise. Now, just as an aside, um, towards setting, I sort of envisage black stars rise as happening um, when um, the X Files is big. So, like, not everybody has a cell phone, or the cell phones that do have a. Uh, uh, big, you know, so like early X Files, like right around, it's like mid '90s is when I envisage um, Black Star's rise happening. So you know, the internet is not super important; um, it exists, but only really for very, um, it's a very fringe sort of thing. Now I don't know if that's accurate, but that's the way I'm going to play it. Um, I don't think there's any specific reference to it, but um, I mean, I've gone on record a lot of times as saying that I prefer it when there aren't cell phones because and computers. So you know, that that's part of the getting information is part of the part of the game and, I, and there's no role playing to be had when you're um, when you're just typing into a computer right like we're not talking about far future shadow run sort of on jacking in and all that type of carry on but um, anyway in my mind that's when it happens and so that's when it's going to happen in, uh, in, in my game do you get any feeling from black stars for that or do you in your mind's eye when you think about it do you think about it being during sort of the, the early to mid 90s or I, I just got sort of like like on my on my one read through it was just kind of a generic you know contemporary setting so yeah I I, I think it's, oh, okay. I I think your black stars rise is is fine for whatever whatever setting you allow yeah yeah <laughs> I'll, I'll allow it no I, I just mean that uh, you know every everybody's apocalypse world is different everybody's dungeon world is different I don't sure, see why of this course, would... yeah, and, that, and that's a part of it right I mean that, that conversation is, is part of it you know setting up your uh, setting up your expectations of what it is that does and doesn't happen in the in the world that the game's taking place is a big part of it right yeah okay, anyway so I'm um... go ahead Oh, I was I was gonna say I think uh, I think one of the one of the the most important things you can do when you're when you're setting up any any uh, apocalypse engine game uh, is to ask questions. Like you can ask leading questions as the GM because you're a player too, and you need you need your input. Uh, right, right. So so uh, you know you can you can frame questions that you know. Uh, imply you know the time frame that you're that you're setting the game in right right sure because uh, it okay. sounded like um, this oh go go ahead <laughs> no, i was just going to say because i mean it's, it was a response to call of cthulhu so i'm going to guess that that you can play at any time there's no specific reference to technology at least as far as i can see if you flip through to the characters in the background they're fairly standard sort of um uh archetypes you might find from um from uh, Call of Duty, you got doctor, reporter, uh, librarian, detective, professor, mechanic, uh, priest, and artist. Priest and artist. And I haven't noticed any specific reference to any skills they have regarding the internet or anything like that. So I'm going to guess that that's. I'm going to guess that that's part of it. But for me, I'm going to I'm going to go for sort of uh, early '90s, mid '90s sort of level of technology. Um, just because I don't want the internet there, or the I like the mystery that exists when there's no internet, right? Um, so, all right. So uh, let's head back to Black Star's rise then. So in the specific instance, so let's pretend that um, in this uh, particular case, I've got uh, I'm playing, say for example, a professor, um, and I want to find out some more information about the mythos that, that things are taking place in, and I want to try and snatch his briefcase. 
So I'm going to take a risk, right? Yep. Uh, <clears throat> you're, you're, so you're, exact same situation. Maybe he's moving through the mall or something like that, or maybe he's getting on the getting on the subway. Maybe it's New York City and he's getting on the subway, and I want to try and snatch his uh, snatch his briefcase. Uh, yeah, and uh, so so the the cool thing about this one is you, you have three stats. It uh, looks like yes. Uh, fit okay, sharp. So the three, this, what are the three stats? The three stats are, um, and I wrote to Sage there because there's a little discrepancy there, but I think that in actual fact, what it's going to be called is um, what is is uh, fit sharp and steady. Um, although if you read the text there as it currently stands, um, Sage has got tough in there as opposed to fit, but. I think basically we can take that stat to be you know, your corporeal abilities. Right, right. Uh, so uh, which one you would roll, like, really uh, would be defined by by how you describe yourself taking that action, right? So, uh, you know. Right. All right, so, so the guy's, he's, he's getting on the, uh, on the, on the subway, uh, you know, you're, you're at street level. He he, you know, takes a step onto the escalator or on the onto the staircase. Starts starts going down. Uh, you know you have to get it from him. So what do you do? Right. Okay. Well, again, I'm going to wait till I, I've I've sort of been following him around for the last few days. And what I've done is I've sort of plotted out his general moves. I know that in the morning um, he actually goes goes to work a little later. Um, and so there's not, I can't really try and grab it in the morning because the, the rush is gone. But in the evening, he tends to leave at uh, roughly the same time um, every night. And for most nights, um, it's actually largely deserted. But this is a Friday night, so there are people, there are revelers and so forth, people out and about on the town. So the platforms are much more crowded than they than they were before. And I happen to know that this evening is um, a game uh, where there's a game between the Mets and the Yankees. Um, and so there are a lot of fans and so forth on the on the subway platform. So there's yelling and screaming and so on and so forth. So I'm going to take advantage of the fact it's noisy, it's cramped, there's all kinds of stuff going on. Um, and I know roughly where I want to grab it so that I can make the most simple egress. Um, so yeah, that's that's my plan. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna grab it. I'm just gonna use my strength and, and grab it from and then disappear into the crowd. Okay, so you, so like you're just you're just gonna grab it, yank it out of his hand, then. Uh, so I would probably actually have you roll tough. That's right. I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna grab it, and yank it out of his hand. Right. Yeah. So yeah. So I mean, but um, if it makes any difference, I'm gonna wait till he's sort of stepping onto the stepping onto the subway. So I'm gonna take advantage of the fact there's a big crush of people going on. I'm gonna be slightly behind him and slightly to one side, so I can grab, I can rip it out of his hands and then move off to the to the left or right, and then not get it on the um not get on the subway carriage. He's not going to be able to get off because there's people sort of pushing against him and, and so forth. So, yeah, I'm just going to go go ahead and use my strength and just rip it out of his hands. Yep, I would I would definitely have you roll tough. Now, here's here's one thing uh, in, in any world engine game that I would watch out for. Uh, one of the yeah. one of the principles for players is uh, playing your character like it's a real person. Uh, and there's a there's a very yes there's there's a very kind of old school uh, I, I can't think of the right the right word for it um, it's apocalypse world engine games don't give players that much in the way of narrative authority if that makes sense uh, right. 
you can yeah, sure. yep. you you can you can answer questions that that pertain to your character uh but not so much about right like what's going on in the world so uh you know if if you're sure. if you're uh like you really have to play from a, a very first person uh perspective right uh oh yeah sure Sure. As opposed yeah. to my the description guy. I gave was, was sort of like a yeah right right uh, so so yeah like in 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 this case uh, yeah you you yeah. you grab grab the case and yank it out of his hand you you roll plus plus tough and uh, yep. then we, then we go it's this it's case all, uh, yep. Uh, did did you know? Do you succeed or do you like get a weak success? Uh, maybe if it if on a on a seven to nine, right. like uh, on a on a six, clearly clearly you miss. Like you go to you go to grab it and he pulls it out of your hand and and gets on the subway and you see the doors slam shut and the things speed off. Right. Uh, right. On a on a seven right. to nine, maybe you grab grab the case and. Uh, you know, his arms kind of out of the subway and the doors start to close. This doesn't actually happen on subways, but for the purposes of, of fiction, you know, maybe he's <laughs> like the doors don't close all the way, his arms sticking out of it, and the whole thing starts moving. Uh, right. <laughs> while you're holding on to it, or he pulls you onto the subway right. himself in the in the in the process of it. Right. Uh, right. So uh, okay, now which yeah. of the moves is that? Now we're going to go back to the the. Um, so you've rolled a seven to nine. Now the seven to nine um, is a sort of a qualified success of some kind. You get what you want, but other stuff happens. Now there are some codified examples of what sort of things you can do. Now um, those are in apocalypse. What are those, Sean? Off the top of your head, do you remember what they are? Oh, there's there's a huge the list seven of them. Nine uh, oh, on, oh, there's on, a lot for seven to nine. I wasn't sure. Well, they're on. So on the on the take a take a risk. There's only three. So these GM moves. Is that what these cool? Uh, so the the GM moves you you pull in, uh, depending on what move the player is making. Right. Uh, you yes. always get to make a move on on somebody's six or under. Uh, yes. Because that kind of makes it your turn. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's there's a list of them. You don't want to. I, I don't want to go. All through all of them, but there's uh, no sure. Okay, I've got them. I've got them right here. If you're reading the book at home, then page 116 is what we're looking at. But some of them are um, there. Are separate them, capture someone, put someone on the spot, trade harm for harm, announce off-screen badness, and so forth. Right? There's a whole sort of laundry list of things that become your moves, and those moves only activate when somebody rolls six or fewer, or those activate from nine down. Uh, it depends. Like I said, it depends on the move that's uh, that's being being used. And uh, as the GM, you don't always have to be making it in response, like in direct response to the other player's move. Uh, they're also there, you know, when when things start to lull. Uh, Apocalypse Engine games always describe playing the game as a conversation, and in any conversation, there's lulls, there's low spots, you know, the action dies down, we've kind of resolved what's going on right now, and everybody kind of goes, okay, so what do we do now? GM looks at, at the their their move list, uh, and, and you pick something off of there and go with it. 
you know, right. you know, uh, uh, like announce off-screen badness. Uh, yes. So you know that would be something like, and in the distance you see like smoke pour, like rising up from the ground, and right. and like a short right. minute later you like feel the the vibration of explosion. Uh, you don't know what happened, but you know something happened over there. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so if I'm understanding, then with the three things we've got are fit, um, uh, fit, sharp, and steady. Okay. Now, it strikes me like I understand fit and I understand sharp, um, right? But I'm not sure how useful steady is going to be. Based upon what you can see here, what's uh, what's steady going to do? Uh, so, how steady, or steady only going to come in when? I th I think uh, so. Steady, steady looks a lot to me uh, like the the cool stat in Apocalypse World, uh, which is really about right. keeping it together. So uh, so let let's take your 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 snatching the 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 briefcase away from the guy. You you would. You know, you would describe yourself as just like yanking it out of out of his hand. That's right. what makes it tough. Uh, if you had tried to like, like right. maybe maybe there's a cop watching, right? Uh, maybe the MC describes, uh, you know, from some previously right. sure. failed okay. move. You're like, oh yeah, and there's you know, there's one of the yep. the transit yep. authority guys that are yeah. kind of looking around. Well, then, you know, it really becomes about to can you do this without getting caught? Like, and, and, you know, maybe then you would make a, you know, take a risk with, with steady, uh, because then it's not about getting it out of the guy's hand. It's like the real conflict is, uh, can you do it and still keep your cool? Can you, can you, uh, can you steal yourself long enough to, to snatch it away from the guy before, you know, while the, the cops sitting there staring at you? Right. Right. Okay. All right. Well, that, yeah, that makes that makes sense. Now, steady seems to play into also the um, also into the uh, dealing with the mythos. But um, I think the next thing that would be useful for me to know about is uh, what happens in a in a punch up. Because I, I think I kind of understand what a little bit of what happens if there's a sort of a um, a gunfight in apocalypse world, but not really. Um, and then now I don't, and and because I don't really understand it for apocalypse world. Um, I, I really don't understand for, um, for Black Star's Rise. So I'll tell you what I know, and then you can tell me how I'm completely out to lunch. Okay. Uh, my understanding is that each person's got six kind of health points, if you like, um, and the way they're represented is as a clock. So the first piece of the clock goes from midnight to 3 o'clock, um, and then from three o'clock to six o'clock, from six o'clock to nine o'clock, and then there are three further subdivisions from nine to twelve. Anything that happens to you up to and including um, when it gets right around to eight fifty-nine or fifty-nine seconds is, is incidental for the most part. It may have some narrative effect, but for the most part, it's cuts and scrapes and bruises and things that will get better all by itself. Um, anything that goes over and above that is stuff that requires medical attention. Uh, otherwise, the doomsday clock will actually count down to 12 where you're going to die. Right. Now, I, but then we're starting, we're heading into, you know, harm and all that type of stuff, which I don't, which I sort of understand, but some of the roles are backwards and 
um, after that, I'm just guessing. So if you can describe how that works, then maybe how that's going to relate to Black Stars, and that would be super. Okay, so uh, so Black Stars does uh, – okay, let me back, back up. First of all, in Apocalypse World, there's a move called Suffer Harm. Uh, right. Where where basically what you're what you're rolling is to see what the secondary effects of of getting hurt are. Right. Give me uh, for instance. Give me not give me an actual scenario because that's how I work best. If I hear a scenario, I got some ideas to <clears throat> to uh, to hang the specifics onto. All right. So so our our caravan dog head right. Uh, our our yes. caravan guy. Uh, in in the in the scuffle that that ensues as you try to as you try to raid his uh, his caravan uh, winds up shooting you in the gut with a uh, with a revolver. Uh, you take two harm. And how did you do that? Uh, interestingly, uh, for the most part, in Apocalypse World and and any world engine games, the GM rolls no dice. Uh, right, but you like the the NPCs. You still stat up your NPCs to an extent. They just don't yep. look like player characters. Um, right. And and in this case, you just say, oh well, he you know his his gun does two harm. That's what it does. Uh, so when you look so, at, but as, I can't get out of the way. I mean, I'm just automatically shot. Well, he, here's here's the thing. Uh, the MC, uh, you've got your moves list, right? Uh, so right. so in 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 terms of combat in Apocalypse World, usually you're using the uh, uh, the seize by force move when you're talking about combat. Right. Okay. Uh, the, the, because the thing you're trying to seize is their life. Yes. Uh, yeah. So, you know, you would yeah roll in Apocalypse World. It would be plus hard. That's that's the seize by force stat. Uh, and then on if you look at at seize by force. Uh, when you try and seize something by force on a 10, 10 plus, you choose three from a little list. Uh, you take right. definite hold of it. You suffer, uh, you suffer a little harm. You inflict terrible harm. You impress, frighten, your dismay, your enemy. Uh, right. On a seven to nine, you only choose two of those. Uh, so in right. moves like that, the fact that you are picking from this list implies that everything on that list is on the table. Uh and then the yes, yeah, three yeah. things that you choose uh, are, are the things that sort of come off the table, right? So uh, right. If, you, if you look at them, taking, taking damage when you try, like getting harmed while you're trying to seize somebody, something from somebody by force is implicit in the move. You are going to take a shot. Uh, <clears throat> right, you, right. you may suffer a, a lesser hit. Uh, or or you may take the full brunt of an attack, but do more damage or or whatever. Uh, yes. But yeah. but getting injured yourself is implicit in in making that move. Uh, yes. So rolling so, high is good, even though you're going to get hurt. Uh, well, yeah, because if you if you roll ten plus, you're gonna you're gonna take. Uh, you get to choose three things. There's there's a four item list, uh, and basically. Three of them happen and one of them doesn't. So right. you, you can you can take take little harm, uh, right. and and reduce some damage. And maybe you're wearing armor; it reduces it to zero. Right. Uh, but uh, 
whenever 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 you would take harm uh that triggers a special move called called the take harm move uh right. and what you do is you you roll 2d6 and add uh add how much harm that you've you've taken right so so in our, our in our example you've taken a, a shot to the gut uh yeah there's there's no roll to miss like you made your move which was to to try and seize Doghead's life by force, and in the process, he also shoots you. Uh, right. And and if you if you roll a six or under, I just get to hit you. That's one of my moves: is, is trade harm for harm, right? Uh, or inflict you harm. You say trade harm for harm. Does that mean that I do him harm as well? If he does two harm to me, then I do two harm <clears> to him. Is that what that means? Uh, it, it means that you. Uh, it, it says as established. So so trade harm for harm is is something that's. That's particularly implicit in seized by force, right. uh, where where you do whatever your weapon damage yes, okay. does, sure. yep. harm, and his yep. does the same thing. Uh, yes, okay. The MC also has one that is just inflict harm. Right. Uh, so you know it's entirely possible if you if you miss entirely, then I'm just going to shoot you, and you're right. going to miss him. That, okay. That's kind of how it goes. Uh, right. What the take harm move does is you roll two d six plus however much harm you've taken, right? Uh, and it's what it is is it's it's like the damage has its own move, right? Uh, but since the MC rolls no dice, that kind of falls onto the players to do it. So it looks backwards from oh, the perspective saying, well, yeah, of yeah, the yeah. player, but yeah. it keeps the dice in the player's hands. That's why it's written that way. Yeah. Uh, and and basically all all that that kind of move does is you know yes you take harm but do you also fall down or do you also drop right. what you're uh what you're carrying or do you right. like wind up in like out in no man's land and and people are you know bullets are bouncing off around you like right. it just keeps the fiction going so it doesn't become just a slog fest i do two damage and you do two damage and i do two yeah, damage yeah, no, and you do two. Yep. Yep. uh this one uh is basically the same thing. Uh, right. Okay. So we're talking about Black Stars Rise now, right? Yep. Yep. Black okay. Stars Rise. When you suffer harm, the GM will describe it and tell you a number of damage, uh, and then you roll two d six plus tough minus the damage. Oh, that's a little weird. Yeah, uh, that's what I didn't understand. I'm just going to change my chairs here because I'm I'm going to be incapable of uh, standing up here shortly. All righty. <laughs> Alrighty, so yeah, I didn't really understand that. Uh, didn't really understand that piece terribly well. Oh, okay, okay. So, uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, uh, I'm, I'm looking at how they did it, and they did, they did wounds very differently in this case because yes. you don't. Have I understand count- how the wounds happen, but I couldn't understand what threshold meant, um, particularly as it related to NPCs becoming harmed. So let me let me take a look. NPC damage has a threshold. Uh, is threshold a dungeon world uh, reference? Because I I don't I haven't seen that anywhere previously. Nope, this is entirely for for Black Stars Arise. Okay, sure. NPCs have got three, um, and it looks like what happens is um, depending on the type of weapon you've got, you can roll one, two, or three dice. So if you've got an incidental weapon, I think they call it incidental. I'm not sure. It's like a a revolver or a bat or something like that. Um, you roll one dice, and whatever number you get. Um, is what you get. 
Um, if you have a heavy weapon, like say an assault rifle or something like that, you get to roll two dice. And if you roll, uh, you, you get to choose the highest of those two. And if you've got something really big, like a bazooka or a grenade or something like that, I don't really know, remember the exact examples they give, but then you've got three dice and you take whichever one of those is the highest. And it says that NPCs have a threshold of three, um, which means that um, if you're able to do three or more, then they're, I don't know if it says dead, but um, it's, they're incapacitated in, in some oh. ways. So, so if they, if they, if it's over their threshold, they take uh, a condition for for each point over. Uh, so where does it say this? Which part, which what, where is this? In? Is this in damage? Uh, yes, it says NPC damage. Yep, yep. Um. Uh, so it looks a little a little fady here. Uh, which, which, uh, basically means, you know, when you, uh, so when you, when you, when you roll damage, uh, NPCs, like, you don't, you don't have to track hit points. You just have to track, you know, did you do more damage than this number? Uh, right. and for every, every bit over there, then you, you, uh, Kind of give them a narrative tag that the right. the player can can take advantage of, and anytime right. each one that they can, it's uh, it's it's a plus one uh, for 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 the player's role, right? Um, okay. Well, are they going to take them again? You mean like or? Yeah, I mean if uh, the the way it's written. Uh, implies to me and and i could just be making this up but this is what it sounds like uh it it sounds like uh a a, an appropriate condition for for doing damage is is dead right right okay Uh, the npc is dead when when the mc says the npc is dead right Uh, but because it's the game is so reliant on uh on, on fictional positioning, how everything, uh, not not position in terms of where everything is, no, I understand. Uh, like in a space, but yeah, um, you know, if 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 you if you say uh, the the example they give in the in the text here is is winged, blood spilling down a gash in his forehead. Oh. Uh, well, well, that guy's also, you know, that's not enough to kill somebody, no. right? Uh, and somebody may be able to take advantage of that and give themselves uh, a plus one, but not, you know, that's not going to kill them. Uh, they're they're dead when they're in a fictional position to not be able to prevent themselves from being dead, right? Boy. So you know, you you just keep up the 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 role playing. You know, trigger a move whenever it's appropriate, uh, and and when you get to the point where the player can just, you know. I, I shoot him in the head, right? Well, you don't need to roll damage at that point. You don't even have to make a roll for a move. You can just kill them whenever, whenever it's appropriate, whenever it's narratively appropriate for that to happen. Uh, <clears throat> do you think the winged and disoriented are actually like special words because they've identified winged and then disoriented? I'm going to read the whole example here because I want to see if I can get it my head around it. So, example, Sam shoots the mad scientist, mad cultist bearing down on him. He rolls four damage, so he rolled a six-sided dice and came up with a four. 
The cultist is a typical human, zero armor and threshold three. Since some damage gets past the armor, um, he takes a condition. So, so okay, so that means that anything above zero, in this particular case, gets a condition. The GM decides on wings. Wing. Anything above the three. His threshold is three. So anything above three, uh, because because armor reduces damage. Uh, oh, he's got no armor, though. He says, right. any, since some damage gets past the armor, so the threshold is, is counting as armor here, or is this, am I just getting hooked up on the semantics of this? No, you're getting hooked up on the semantics. The, okay, the important right. thing to know is anything below the threshold uh, is is superficial damage. Right. Anything above the threshold gets a condition. Right. Okay, so... So if they take any but he's damage, got two conditions here. He's got winged, and he's got see, he's got winged, and he's also got disoriented. Right. Uh, so since he's, since some damage so, gets past the armor, he takes a condition. So winged. So in other words, he's not going to die from that. But the fact that he's also got over three means he gets a secondary condition, which is more serious. And that's what you're saying, right? Which is disoriented. Okay, so so the the actual rule is a couple of paragraphs up. It's actually the second paragraph in. When an okay. NPC takes damage, subtract their armor, if any. If any damage remains after armor, the NPC takes a condition. So any, okay, so any, right? So yeah. anything over zero in this particular case, they get a condition, right? Yep. If the damage after their after armor is greater than NPC's threshold, they take one more condition for each point over. So they take. Right. So this guy takes one winged for having it get past his armor because right armors is zero right but that's uh, going to be a non non-fatal condition it's just a it's just a, a almost a, um a narrative device right because it doesn't yep. actually affect him in any way shape or form or does it uh it it does fictionally like that's that's the important thing oh okay uh, so yeah, a player take advantage of one or more conditions so let's just say for example um so then if somebody goes ahead and describes an action that that specifically targets a weakness that they've developed and they get a plus one. Is that what that means? Exactly. And it's, uh, and it's always plus one, no matter how many conditions they have. So you you don't add an additional one for each condition, uh, even if they all apply. Uh, Right. Sure. But yeah, that's now, now you, now you got it. Okay. Um, and then the damage after armor is one greater than the threshold. He also gets disoriented. Now, both uh, disoriented is in inverted commas as well, or speech marks, as my wife tells me I must call them. Um, does that mean that, uh, like, disorient, does, does disoriented hark back to Dungeon World or Apocalypse World, having nope. a specific meaning? No? Nope. Uh, third paragraph. Conditions can be whatever makes sense. Right. Okay. Uh, so there's there's no exhaustive list of of them. Those are just winged and disoriented. Are are two. Right. You know, okay. they could have broken arm. Could be a condition. Right. Or or. But well, but, but that can't knows. be. But, but that can't be winged or broken arm, right? Because anything lower than the threshold is incidental. Right. Right. I'm just I'm just I'm just it, like I'm just saying that a broken arm would be as much of a condition as winged. Okay. All right. So uh, let's say that I'm successful and I've winged this cultist, right? Let's say I did instead of doing instead of crossing the threshold and doing four points, let's say I did two points. What happens then? Am I just describing a tit for tat combat where theoretically, although not actually, it could go indefinitely? Like we could be just like 
less than threshold, less than threshold, less than threshold, less than threshold, and nothing actually ever happens? Well, no, because uh, I think the important thing is to not think of an NPC as somebody with hit points, right? Uh, sure. so, so, you know, the, the players, like the player character is going to, to, to move. Uh, or the NPC yeah. is going to move. Like somebody's going to try and end this conflict somehow. Uh, right. So even if you're not inflicting conditions, uh, you don't need to track damage for for an NPC. Uh, no, no, absolutely. And, and 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 as as the MC, you have uh, you have other options, right? You have your your list of moves. Uh, so. And you I'm transferring my list of moves directly from Apocalypse World, right? Right, because plus or minus flavor on any of that or any of that stuff. But you you should have those. Um, you should have an understanding of what those mean. Um, right. And 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 I don't. And I think. And correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think it's essential for you to memorize exactly what each one means, but it's highlighting some things that probably you already do in your game, your fake game, or your whatever other type of game, right? There's no right. specific things there, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. The, I mean, the only thing that's important, look, things like, you know, inflict harm. Like, you have to know yes. what yes. how much harm the thing that is inflicting the harm is capable of doing, right? Of course, of course. You can't just come up with an arbitrary number uh, yes. unless there's some situation where you can just pick a number. You know, you fall off a cliff, I inflict harm, uh, you take one harm. Right, right. Or okay. two harm or whatever. Yes. Uh, that's, that's all that's all okay. But you have all that other stuff, right? So, you know, you know, what, what is it, what is it the NPCs want? You know, maybe they want to capture the, the players. Yes. Right. So, so, you know, you don't have to just go tit for tat. Uh, maybe you could describe them flanking and, right. and cutting the players off for each other. And now you've used the separate them move. Right. Right. Okay. You know, or, or, uh, you know, uh, I don't. I don't know if this game has uh, weapon tags. Uh, I haven't noticed. Okay, but okay. So let's turn the page then, because now let's let's because uh, this next piece is, is important. Um, I think I may have answered your question. But so we're turning over the page. Now, we're talking about damage to the uh, player, and I'm going to just read the just read the example which follows on from four. So we winged the the cultist, and we disoriented them largely, basically getting rid of them. Um, as bottom line. Okay, the example continues. The cultist carries through onto Sam uh, on momentum alone, driving a dagger into him. The GM says this is zero damage, so Sam makes makes the suffer harm move with no modifier. Okay? Okay. So we know it's a zero because in the, in the table or bullet point sort of item at the top of this page here, it says that zero for the untrained with a light weapon. So we're saying the cultist is not adept with a knife, so they're doing... So they're basically... Uh, doing zero, it doesn't not zero damage, but a zero on the roll which is about to come, right? Right. And then right. and then the player is the one that will actually make make the move. Right. So um, the GM says this is zero damage. So Sam makes the suffer harm move with no modifier. Okay. Yep. So what's the suffer harm move? I understand what is an apocalypse sword, but that's not that's not in here anywhere, right? Uh, no, it is. Uh... So I'm I'm looking at the at the at the PDF uh, and yeah. and uh, there's there should be a bunch of what look like cutout cards. Uh, yes. 
Uh, yep. So there's a bunch of them that are that are take a risk and then take a risk yep. while you're injured, which is slightly different. Yes. Then the next page is okay. suffer so, arm. So unlike unlike Apocalypse World, then you need to actually cut these fell. You need to photocopy them and cut these fellas out um, ahead of time, um, yep. so that when you go ahead to when you get into a suffer harm situation. Um, then you're going to roll on it. And each one of these cards is exactly the same on the front, as far as I can tell, but they differ on the back. We'll get to that later. So when you suffer harm, the GM will describe it and tell you a number of damage. Roll 2d6 plus tough minus damage. So in this particular case, we're rolling 2d6 plus, well, fit it is, actually. This is this is what I was talking about before. Fit yeah. instead of tough, I think, is what it will become eventually. Um, minus damage. So this cultist has zero damage for the... Um, for the dagger, but that doesn't mean that nothing is going to happen because on 10 plus you tough it out, right? So basically it's just a, a gash of some kind, but but inconsequential in the context of the narrative. Um, on a 7 to 9, it's not too bad yet. Take minus one ongoing to this move until you receive medical attention or spend a few days recuperating. On a 6 to 4, your injuries catch up with you. The GM will wound one of your moves. On a three minus, it's not life-threatening. The GM will wound two of your moves. If you don't have two unwounded moves, you're dying. Okay, we'll get to that later on. But basically, the um, the cultist has carried on through momentum. That's just GM fiat. He's just decided that, right? Or she's the MC's decided that. Uh, yeah. Well, the the MC has used one of one of the MC's moves. Uh, which, which is what in this context? What is it? Uh, probably inflict harm. Uh, right. may, maybe they 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 took a risk in trying to attack the uh, the the NPC. Uh, that's right. how I would have used it. Uh, right. You know, either either rolled a seven to nine, and the and the GM says, "Sure, you hit them, but they hit you at the same time," or missed. And you right. Know. So the previous example was saying when Sam shoots the mad coldest bearing down on him, we've got a set, we've got a seven to nine there as opposed to a ten. Yep. Okay, and then they roll four damage, but because it's a seven to nine, it means that they're trading harm for harm. Is that? Uh, yeah, that 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 could be it. Uh, right. You know, there's nothing in the example that says that one of these follows directly from the other move. So, you know, this is. Does that seem logical? If you were playing, would you expect something like that to happen? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, okay. So yeah, yeah, the 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 GM gets. Gets to use their their inflict harm move, and that's right. just kind of the way the that inflict harm works. They right do as okay. So they've suffered harm. So so this character in the example Sam has suffered harm. So then what happens is um, he rolled in the example he rolled a five, which means um, your injuries catch up with you. The GM will wound one of your moves. Okay. So uh, in this particular in this uh, sort of lightweight hack. Um, or at least as it as it currently exists, um, uh, you've got some you've got some moves. Now I don't I think that what we're talking about now is in the section where you cut out the moves you've got are um, take a risk, um, suffer harm, keep it together, uh, study, which we haven't touched on, but maybe we'll come to later on, or maybe we won't. Um, and that's what there is. So when they, the GM wounds one of your moves, uh, those cards that exist actually get turned over, and there's a second description of the move on the back. So let's just say, for example, we're talking about um, take a risk, and the card that Sam's character has, um, he rolled... Uh, no, no, sorry, take a risk, suffer harm. 
Um, uh, so they're all to five. So turning that particular card over, because there are nine on the front here. Um, so right. turning that particular one over, it says, um, when you start, so now that, that wound, that move is wounded, so you'll actually turn that over in front of you. When you suffer harm, the GM will describe it and tell you a number of damage. Roll 2d6 tough, uh, minus tough damage on 10 plus. You can either take a wound to another card or minus one ongoing to this move on a 7 to 9, blah, 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 blah. So what that basically means is that instead of having that countdown to doom clock that you have representing your health in Apocalypse World, you've got um, basically four, move, four basic moves because each individual character has special moves which right. relate to their profession. Um, so you've got four of those, um, each of which have two kind of moves on them before you um, get to the position where you're dying. Right. Right? Okay. Um, now, going back to the example that we had, so, okay, just let's talk about those cards for a moment. Um, because the back is different to the front in every case, um, when you heal one of your damaged cards, do you suppose that, you pass it back and you get a new one because it doesn't specify that. It's just about handing them out, but not about getting them back. And there's no question that some of the wounded moves are worse than other wounded moves. So do you think that's just that's just bad luck for your character until they, they die? Or Because I'm thinking what I'll do is, um, because you're supposed to have three or four players and there are nine cards, it means there are five that are going to be unused. So I'm going to guess that when that wound gets healed, at least what I'm going to do when the wound gets healed is I'm going to take the card and I'm going to shuffle it back in so they don't get the same wounded condition. Because right. I don't know if you noticed there, but some of the wounded condition, the wounded sides of those moves yeah, are much are... worse than other ones. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure. I didn't even actually get to the to the bit about passing out the cards or... Right or any of that. Like I, I, I didn't, I didn't even notice until just now that uh, that some of them had extra stuff on them, uh, yeah. which is yeah. which is kind of awesome to me. <laughs> yeah, yep, yeah, for sure. And, and they're different, right? So that's the that's the thing is that I, I think probably it'd be a little unfair to force somebody to keep that same wounded one. Uh, like I, when they when they healed it in one way or another, then I'd uh, get them to. Uh, I get them to give it back and I'll switch it out. Right, right. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Um, so, so that's that's take a risk. Um, we've talked about suffer harm as well. Um, uh, keep it together. What does keep it together mean to you? Um, uh, well, let's see. When you're confronted by the hor horrendous, supernatural, or mind-shattering role plus study. Oh, yeah, that's pretty much the uh, the the sanity. Mechanic. Uh, I'm I'm looking at the choices that that you get for yes. for uh, that that list, uh, yes. and uh, so somewhat unsurprisingly, uh, these are the the same options you get on a failed steel test and burning wheel. Right. Almost exactly. Uh, right. Lash out violently isn't in burning wheel, but sure. Yep. Uh, scream and panic, beg and plead, curl up and shut down, lash out violently. Yeah, yeah I mean it's, you know, are you, when you're confronted by something that would trigger your flight or fight or flight response. Yeah, you know, make a roll and then, and then pick one off the list unless yeah. you roll a ten right. and then you're cool. Right, right. Okay, so um, yeah, and then there's, and then I think that um, 
uh, if that wound gets, uh, sorry, if that move gets wounded, you go to the other side. And then um, uh, when you are confronted by the Hurrian Supernatural, blah, 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 um, on a six minus, you suffer a break. The GM will give it to you. So then what you do is a break is like a psychotic break of some kind. And then there's a whole, there's a, a series of nine, uh, 15 different sort of um, uh, insanities that you can pick up um, that have effects on the um, that have effects on you. Um, there's not. I, I can't. I can't remember if there's any way to make those get better. I don't know that there is. But I'll give you. I'll give you one example. So, if you fail a keep it together, um, and you get a wound, you, your keep it together card gets wounded, then something else that happens requires you to keep it together. It says, when you're confronted by the horrendous supernatural mind-shattering, roll plus steady. On a 10 plus, you choose which you do. On a 7 to 9, the GM chooses. On a, uh, on a 6 minus, you suffer a break. The GM will give it to you. Okay, So you can hurt someone or hurt yourself. Um, but if you roll 6 or fewer, you end up with a, with a break, which creates one of these um, insanities. Okay, So one of the insanities is Edward. You have a new friend named Edward. He's pretty typical, except nobody else can see him. Sometimes he'll stop by your house to hang out for a while or visit your work and see how you're doing. He's got some interesting hobbies he's trying to get you involved in, too. Treating Edward as anything but a real friend is taking a risk. Yep. So do you think that that means taking a risk in inverted commas, taking a risk, or is this just uh, an overlap in terminology? Uh, no, no, I think, I think they very specifically mean that it is a taking the risk move. Uh, Okay. okay, so I'm going to go ahead and read one more, which is Dr. Doolittle. Um, it's amazing how that the animals talk. It's like always being in a crowded room. They don't always make sense, of course. They're animals still. They talk to the meal they just ate, the local predators and prey, the scents and sights. The GM will tell you what the animals say. It may be annoying, distracting, or just plain loud. Depending on the circumstances, of course, the animals, depending on the circumstances, of course, Sorry, let me try that again. Depending on the circumstances, full stop, or period, sorry, I should say. Of course, the animals can't understand you. That would be crazy. So so there's no so there's no awesome. there, right? Right, right. Like, these are, these are uh, technically, these are moves. Uh, all of these are, are, are moves. They just don't necessarily involve roles on either, on, on anybody's right. part. Uh, right. But they're but they're definitely things that that the GM can uh, can use on you and can cause other things to snowball off of them. Right. Uh, you know, I can I can I can think of good situations where you know your 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 buddy Edward uh, tells you to do something and nobody else can see him and they all think you're crazy and they need right. to 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 well I guess you are crazy at that point. And, uh, you know, they, they, their other characters in the game are going to, to try and, I don't know, uh, have you hauled off to the, to the funny farm or, or oh, whatever. Right. Those are all going to require, require moves. Uh, okay. This just, you know, I, I, this is a, an interesting way of doing, uh, sanity without having to, have sanity be a stat. Yes. Yep. Uh, 
and 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 ensure that they're going to have an in-game function uh, rather than just you know relying on the player to to pretend to be crazy. Uh, right, right. Okay. The, the the breaks look like a good way of you know yes you're crazy. Here's the specific way in which you are crazy, and nobody else yes. is going to be crazy in that way. Right, right. Okay. All right. So, um, how are you doing for time, Sean? Uh, I'm good. Okay. I'm, I'm All right, good. So, uh, let's take a look maybe at a specific example here, um, and then we'll start talk. Then the last thing I want to talk about is, um, you know, how you might go about running the game, how this relates to how fronts are involved and all that type of stuff. Okay. Um, so, let's take a look at the character. Okay. The character here is Doctor. Okay, and I'm going to read the whole thing, so <clears throat> sit tight. So um, start with tough, well, sorry, fit minus one, sharp plus one, steady plus zero, then increase your choice by one. So we're going to go ahead and um, sort of put it, those numbers in there. You're making make a living fixing or, or at least ameliorating the physical ills of life. Name a specialty and describe your practice, right? So, um, and this is lifestyle well off. There's not really much of a discussion about the, about people being well off, I guess it's um, there's not really any hard and fast rules about what stuff costs. I guess that just comes down to the MC's sort of call on that one. But uh, recovery, um, when okay, this is the same for all of them. When you receive appropriate medical treatment, that's the GM's call if it's appropriate or not. Uh, recover, suffer harm. What does that mean? Uh, let me go back. Go back to it. This is for the doctor. They all say this. Oh, recovery. Okay. Uh, yeah. So if your if your suffer harm move has has been injured, yes. then you you recover it. Right. And okay. It becomes uninjured. Uh, however, however that that recovery works. Right. Okay. So next it says when you build a basic human relationship with someone, their players call. Now it says. With someone, so that presumably means you can't do it with an NPC. Uh, NPCs are someone, are people. Okay, but it says their players call. So does that mean the MC is their player in this instance? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, recover one of take a risk, keep it together, or study. Your choice. So you have to make relationships to get better. That's what that's... Yep. How do those two things go together in your mind? Uh... It really... Making relationships and healing these things. Is this, I guess that um, in a game, is like as a game, what is happening here is we're encouraging, like my little air quotes can't, don't work properly because my, I busted one of my fingers so I can't make it. Anyway, so this looks like I'm doing a scary, like, Werewolf <laughs> uh, um, hand instead of dick fingers. Um, so, yeah. Try doing try doing air quotes when you've got two your index finger and your ring finger taped together, and then you can you can experience the same consternation I just had. So anyway, um, so do you think that that so the game there is um, you're entrenching or at least you're filling out the real world and creating relationships to make the game richer, and your reward for that is you're healing your wounds, or is there something else going on there that maybe I haven't grasped from Apocalypse World or something? Uh, I think probably both things are are going on. Uh, take a risk, keep it together, and and study. Most of those are uh, fundamentally like emotional things, right? Like uh, you know, having your suffer harm wounded 
is it really a, a physical implication? Yes. Yeah. Right. It's it's the first thing that gets flipped over when you yes when you uh, when you take some kind of harm, right? Right. Right. Uh, so so it, it it totally makes sense, you know, medical yes. treatment. You you splint up your your busted arm or or whatever right. whatever the the fictional color of that of that uh, suffer harm move being injured. Uh, right. The rest of them are, you know. Injuries in in kind of a, a met, more metaphorical sense, right? They're they're psychic scars. Okay. Okay, uh, sure. So, you know, talking like making friends, having relationships with people, those, those are the things that keep you grounded in reality. So it totally makes sense that that being able to to uh, to discuss things with people and get 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 feedback and, and kind of unload on them is going to make you better able to, 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 to cope with these things that, that you need to deal with. Uh, okay. what it's, what it's really doing is it's, uh, mechanically what you're doing is you're, you're flipping your card back over, right? Right. Or getting a new card. Yes. Uh, fictionally like whichever one you're doing, like that needs to be reflected in, in the fiction. Uh, yeah. so that it keeps everything sort of consistent for your character right. uh, and and what it what it forces you to do uh, since since it's on the other player to determine whether or not like you've made a real relationship with yeah. them you know you you need to, to have those moments those role-playing moments in order to to have these you know the it's it's a move recovery is a move it just doesn't require a role uh, right you know, in order for that move to take effect, it has to be, uh, it has to be justified in the fiction first. Uh, right, right. And then, so and is the it, now, this is over. one of the things that I, right, I, I read this in Apocalypse World, and I don't know if this is one of those instances, so you'll have to tell me, is it okay for Edward to come along and fuck up that relationship so you can't get better, or is that, is that no, is that sort of into no fair territory? Like, I, I get the exact example that, that Vincent Baker used in um, Apocalypse World, but is that a case of you can't you can't fuck around with that, or is that totally fair game? Mm, I would, I probably would avoid it. Uh, what you're supposed to do as an as an MC is you're supposed to be a fan of the players, but still make their lives interesting, right? Uh, right. It's, okay. it's it's not it's not necessarily interesting to have. You know your your crazy imaginary friend come in and 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 wreck everything. Right. Uh, if if somebody if the player is, uh, you know if 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 they want to use their recovery move. Uh, oh, everybody's got the same recovery move. So yes, yeah, yeah. Everybody recovers the same. Yeah. Uh, you know, then then they're going to engage in 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 that that bit of the fiction. I would say, you know, I would say let them. Uh, right. You know, there's 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 plenty of other fuckery you can do uh, right. with people's breaks. Yes. <laughs> right, okay. Sure. Yeah. 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 For sure. Yeah. That's a um. And just in case you're wondering uh, why we're swearing, uh, all of a sudden, uh, those are actually specific words in the in the in apocalypse world. I mean, I'm sure you can think of other words yourself, but those are actually sort of codified terms that have specific 
specific meaning. So, um, uh, so anyway, so then the, then the doctor gets a whole bunch of different things they can do, like forensics, medic, family doctor, first aid, um, that sort of thing. And some, and they have, and you get to choose two of those. So you can, so you dress up your, your character, which will uh, uh, sort of help you to get a feeling for what it is that, that they do. Um, there's an interesting one that I want to come back to. Um, and no, I'm going to do it right now, otherwise I'll forget. Um, take a look at librarian and tell me what you think this means. Um, one of the specialties for librarian is um, grimoire. Um, and grimoire reads, some of the books in your collection contain spells and you know which they are. If your collection isn't special, this means other libraries have similar spells, which sounds bad. The GM will give you two or more spells as benefits of your job. With time spent in research, you can probably find more. What do you suppose that means? Uh, I think that means that as a as an MC, uh, you need to decide what those what those spells do. Right, and that's the and and I'm gonna I'm gonna just touch on this, and then we're gonna come back to it later on, assuming time allows. You let me know when you run out. Um, it says here, um, whereas in apocalypse world, you sort of like it's a it's a conversation regarding stuff that goes on. Um, so ask questions and use the answers. So like that's the what do you do uh, sort of type question. Still do this, of course, but think carefully about what you're about uh, what your player what you ask the players about. Freely ask them about their characters' normal mundane lives and use that everywhere. Let them have special human possessions and relationships. Let them fill them in. Then when the strange mythos comes up, which I'm going to guess means spells, don't give them so big an input. Still ask them questions about how their character's reacting, what they least want to happen, etc. But don't let them fill in the mythos for you. It's a big and scary and mostly, most importantly, unknown. Within the normal confines of life, let them fill in as large an area as you please, detailing as much of the setting as you want. The more the better. Beyond normal life, it's your domain. Right. Uh... We, that was actually kind of what I was getting at before, where, right. uh, so so, uh, you know, you're you're dealing with the with the librarian, uh, yeah. and it's totally it's totally fair game to for you to to, to be like, oh, uh, so so is uh, do you, do you run like a really orderly library? Like, is everything right. stacked up neatly? Maybe they'll be like, no, everything's freaking dusty and you know books are stacked way up right. uh you might ask them why that is they don't have any uh, additional staff you know they're right, they're sure. under staff things just don't you know and that's all that's all setting details uh but that's also sure. stuff that their characters would be would be aware of right uh right but but when it comes to when it comes to something like remarks specifically says the gm will give you uh however many spells the gm decides you to two or more spells right as benefits of your job uh so so clearly clearly they have they have spell books in their library uh and that you know as uh as gm that that gives you a really cool opportunity to make up some custom moves um right. although uh i can uh I didn't see anything specifically about spells in the uh, uh, in the. But the, that's the only reference in the document that I can see. So there's no. So that's why I was wondering if when it said spells, um, 
the implication was there that, well, maybe not even implication, but maybe I should start at that point to go look at Dungeon World to see the spells there or? Uh, maybe that like, that's a, that's a, that's a good, uh, a good way of, of, of going about it. If, if you would like, you would have to modify them to use the, the stats in here rather than, uh, actually it would probably be, be plus, plus sharp would be, uh, actually, you know what, uh, if it were me, uh, and and I was designing this game, um, and geared as it is, or which we or, are to a degree, I suppose, as much as it's a play test. So then maybe they'll pay, maybe they're watching right now. Well, uh, one of one of the uh, one of the things about World of Dungeons, which is what they specifically cited when they were talking yep. about how they got to it, uh, is World of Dungeons essentially only has the take a risk move, and then it encourages you encourages you to to create moves on the fly as, as needed. Uh, right. And to be clear, what a move means is you've, you're going to have three divisions. You're going to have six or fewer, seven to nine, and ten plus for your outcome. Ten plus means you get get what you want, um, and seven to nine means other stuff goes on, um, and six is, is fail. Right? That's what you mean by move? Uh, well, what I mean by move is moves are anything, any specific effect that is triggered by a particular thing in the fiction. Uh, right. So, um, you know, if we, if we, if we go all the way back to your, uh, stealing the guy's briefcase, right? Right. Sure. Uh, okay. So, so, you know, we, we described it as you like actually trying to grab it out of his hand and, and, right. and right. get away with it. Uh, Maybe the situation was was different. Maybe he, you know, you 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 go into the the cafe where he's, you know, where he frequents. He sets the briefcase down, goes goes to to get his coffee, takes a quick trip to the bathroom. Right. You go over to grab it. There's no risk there. That doesn't trigger the move. Right. Sure. You just grab it and go. Uh, so. Uh, so moves are are less uh, it, it's less about the outcome of the role and more of this is the thing that happens when you when you try and do a specific. Would that uh, happen? Because the G, the, the MC is kind of setting you up there to just grab the briefcase. Does that mean that the MC? Because that's a little a bit of a blurry area for me. Am I saying as the MC? Um, I don't want to find out what happens here. I want them to take the suitcase away. So I'm kind of saying, let's get the suitcase out of there because that's where the interesting piece of the story lies. Or do I want to do? Uh, is it? Can I just let that go? I mean, I, I mean, obviously, I know yeah. I can let it go, but within the sort of confines of the type of game that you generally tell with Apocalypse World or Dungeon World or whatever it might happen to be, um, is that something you would just let go? Uh, yeah, I would totally let it go if 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 I needed to. Uh, why would you need to? Because, I mean, you're deciding that the guy goes to the bathroom, you can just grab the suitcase, right? And it seems quite pivotal getting hold of that suitcase. So why would you let that go? I'm not questioning your choice. I'm just, what, what's your process? Uh, I was just I was just throwing something out there. Uh, you know, the, 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 the key to, to playing any uh, Apocalypse Engine game is playing to find out what happens. So, right. you know, you know, maybe the... 
the the player specifically says, you know, I I sit down at another table. I wait for him to to get up and go to the bathroom. Eventually, a guy's going to have to get up and and go, right? But maybe he's going to take his briefcase with it because it's valuable. Like he's taking the briefcase. Like is he going to leave his briefcase sitting there? Yeah, you, well, maybe he maybe he doesn't maybe he doesn't know. That's really a thing that you as the MC right decides. You know, okay. maybe. You but know. yeah, okay. So so that's okay within the context of the game. Then it's okay for me to say it's valuable to the person looking for it, but not to the not to the doctor. It's just a beaten up briefcase with some and with some papers in it. What does he care? Type thing. Right. Little yeah. knowing what effect it may have. Yeah. Uh, exactly. Now, now, of course, uh, the the corollary to that is that as as the MC, you shouldn't have a plot either, because you're playing well, exactly. to find out what happens too. Right. Uh, exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> so we're sort of getting into Franz territory, but we'll leave France alone for for a moment here, um, and and maybe that doesn't even relate to this game, but we'll come back to it in a sec. Because what I wanted to talk about um, now is. Um, what a specific term there, which we've, we've glossed over a couple of times, but one of the things is called study. And I wanted to sort of talk briefly about what study might mean. Um, it's in the basic moves section after number seven there. Okay. Um, the most basic move is take a risk. We've talked about that. Keep it together and suffer harm are reactive moves. Um, they happen when something uh, happens to the characters facing something horrifying, blah, 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 blah. So keep it together seems to be almost exclusively related to confronting the mythos of some kind. In some way. Yeah, that seems uh, seems about Page right. Page two, if you're yep. looking. Yep. Um, so the last, but there's a specific reference here to study. Study happens when a character carefully studies a person, thing, or situation. Let's say the 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 um, the guy with the briefcase, right? Checking out his daily patterns. Think of study as their character's logic and knowledge. You are the player's eyes and ears, no matter what. The study move is their character's knowledge, deduction, and intuition. What do what does that mean to you? Uh, oh, you're on page two. Sorry, I was looking at the yep. actual move. <laughs> Let me get back back up to it. Yeah, page page two. Oh, there it is. Uh, the oh, uh. Yeah, well, it really depends on on uh, on what they describe themselves doing, right? Do okay. you know? So I'm so, watching the guy's patterns with his briefcase. Yeah, to totally a study move. Uh, okay. You're uh, you know watching to see where he's going, uh, and and if you look at the actual move, uh, right. On a 10 plus. Uh, okay, so so here's how it works. When you carefully observe a person, thing, or situation, roll plus sharp. Uh, on a 10 plus, you may ask the GM any one question about the subject. Any question. Uh, so maybe where is he going? Right. Uh, but you can only ask one question. Uh, right. On a 7 to 9, you may ask the GM one question from the list below. Right. Uh, the list is what here should I be worried about? What here might be useful to me? What's about to happen? Right. Uh, so, so you know, you you roll a seven to nine. And you see a guy walking down the uh, the road with a briefcase. Uh, you know, what here should I be worried about? Maybe right. GM will be like the other guy shadowing him. Right. Right. 
Sure. Okay. So, that, okay. And that, is that a complication? Is that a six minus complication, though, Sean? Or is that a, or is that just like a, something interesting? Uh, no, that's just something interesting. Uh, okay. On a, on a six minus, the, the GM will add a, will add a complication. Uh, on a six minus, you don't get to ask the question. Right. But, but so. what's the complication going to be? Because, I mean, it seems like a complication seeing a second guy trailing him. Um, so is the complication yeah. then that um, so one that the other guy that's trailing him from our previous example actually somebody puts their hand on their shoulder and says, "What do you think you're doing?" Something to, to that effect. Is that what that would be? Could be, or could be uh, the other guy like while while you're watching grabs the briefcase and runs off. Okay. Uh, or or you know walks up to him and shoots him in the head. Right. Or walk, walks up to him and tentacles come out, bursting out of his chest and swallow the guy whole. Right. Uh, I mean, really, it, it, it depends on what's, you know, what's going on in the fiction of your game. Right. Uh, but that doesn't actually hurt, but that doesn't hurt your move. Like, nothing specifically bad has to happen to you. It's just a complication? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a complication would also be, you know, guy spotting you and running off uh, right. through, through crowded traffic. And then you're taking a risk trying to get... Right. Uh, okay. catch up with him or you know something to that effect uh, right. generally anytime that you you see uh, the GM will add a complication uh, you're going to look at your GM moves uh, or look for ways to force the you know make make the the failed moves snowball into something else right so and again those moves are the ones from apocalypse because there's none referenced here right 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 yeah, okay. there, there's a there's a note at the very beginning that says it only only talks about the stuff that is different from. Yes, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and that's what I'm, that's what I'm sort of wondering about. Like where where the bits are that I have to put in there, right? Okay. So, um, all right. So the the last thing before we move on to sort of like the GM side of everything, which is um, history. Um, now I know history is a big part of um, of Apocalypse World, um, and this one here appears to me that the history in this case is more about tying the characters together in specific ways. Um, I mean, I know that they're tied together in specific ways in um, Apocalypse World, but that history is always changing, whereas here the history is sort of set and it's all, it's all in the past because you can create history with someone in Apocalypse World. I don't know if you can create history in, in, uh, in Black Stars. So, uh, well, in, in Apocalypse World, uh, you get specific specific things to ask, right? Like, yes. Uh, when, when uh, so when you when you finish making your characters, everybody kind of kind of goes around the table and introduces themselves, right? Uh, right. And then you go around again and do uh, and do history. I'm assuming it's the same. Uh, the um, well, there's, there's a set of there's a set there's a setup here. Maybe we'll do that when we get to the GM section. There's like a one, two, three, four, what have you. Um, so for uh, the doctor again, the first thing for history is I saved Blank's life. They know they're in good hands with me. They take plus one to keep it together in your presence. Others you save enjoy the same benefit. Yep. Uh, <clears throat> so yeah, well, all the blanks are. Uh, one uh, uh, should be another another player character. Usually, play, well, because interesting, you should say that because what it says is you pass out all of the um, 
the professions to start with. Right. Any that you that don't get selected, you use as NPCs um, or potentially characters in future. So I was wondering if, in actual fact, you didn't have to necessarily fill in a PC here, and that it could be any one of these, um, any one of these here, and you're really just creating connections within this town. Uh, I think that's that's possible, uh, but I would posit that NPCs don't have stats. The only stat NPCs have is threshold, and then you just determine whether or not they're dangerous or untrained, right? Right, right. Um, so, okay, well, let's, let's leave that one unanswered then, because maybe when we go through and read the 1, 2, 3, 5, 6 later on, that'll maybe we'll get some more information on that. Okay, so then you've got several other questions that you use to make history, but each person can only have three history things, which work out fine for me, because my group has four people, so that's going to work out fine. But, okay, so, um, all right, so... Let's take a look then at the um, at the at the start at the start then. Okay, so um, so right back at the start, uh, thing zero is before sitting down to play, the GM should read over this document. The players can read it too if they like. Um, the GM will also need to print materials. The settings are one side. Okay, that's that's all uh, straightforward. Present the setup. The GM presents the setup they've chosen. There are two setups in the back there, but we'll get to that later on. We talk about about fronts and stuff, maybe. Um, they should make sure to touch on a few key points. The player characters are normal people with no previous contract with anything beyond the real. Now, that can't be true for the librarian, right? Uh, no, not necessarily. I mean... She's got uh, spells. I mean, she, that's pretty out of the ordinary, right? Uh, not really. Uh, there was... When I was in fourth grade, there was a book of witchcraft in my high school or my school library. Just a random book. I don't know where it came from, but it, <laughs> it I mean, found a human skin. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, I wouldn't go that far, but it had what it claimed were spells in it. Right. Uh, oh, so they, you think that the librarian doesn't actually have spells? No, I think that the librarian has spells. I just think that probably up to this point, it's not like they've been trying them. Like, they just haven't oh, known so where that... Be from the standpoint of the librarians never actually tried the spells when this game starts. Yeah. Okay. All right. So um, the player characters are caught up and caught up in the setup. They're here to see how they come out. They may try to get out. They may try to to um, get to the bottom of it. They might just try and survive. Whatever makes sense seems to be fine. Okay. So two choose characters. And this is the bit we we're talking about before. Each player chooses a career from those available. Once, I mean, I'm sure you can create extra careers later on, but let's just do it as it says here. Um, once every player has a career, the GM makes the other careers, uh, takes the other careers and makes them NPCs. The GM should make sure that each non-player character turns into a non each each non-player character. I I, th I think this is a uh, I, I think that they mean because uh... we've got player, non-player character and NPC. They're making a distinction here, which is that each one that somebody doesn't choose from those professions becomes an actual character because it says here um, turns into an NPC. As the players make their characters find ways to connect them to the NPCs, that's what I was, what I was wondering whether those actual history things could relate that they were referring to this, or do you mean, do you think that they just mean try and work these other people in, but there's no special benefits for them? Yeah, I, I, I would, I would keep history to, uh, to player characters. Okay. Uh, in which case, do you think then if one of your characters becomes unplayable or dies, you have to take that history? and apply new history because if they die 
and somebody takes on one of these new NPCs, then the characters that are still alive or still playable won't be able to change their histories. And so, therefore, any NPC that comes in will be at a disadvantage? Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, generally, uh, in any of these games, you kind of get a chance to go back over... Uh, uh, over your history at the end. I don't, I don't know if it addresses that. Um, the way they're written in here, uh, actually, they they look like bonds from from Dungeon World, which which work a little bit diff- differently. Um, but it's possible that uh, you know, you like I say, usually go back over over these things at the at the end of the the session. So. Yeah, maybe maybe the the new character comes in uh, and doesn't have a history with anybody, but through interaction with them during the course of the game, they're going to gain it. Uh, so so any disadvantage they have is is fundamentally temporary in terms of uh, you know when you when you think on the on the longer scale. Granted, you might be running a uh, a one shot, but. Uh, it, it it seems like it's actually fairly surprisingly uh, difficult to outright kill somebody in this game. Right, right. Because um, if the if the move gets double wounded, then they are then they're dying. Um, I'm not sure. I mean, I guess that means you just have to find medical attention. But um, but anyway, because it says specifically here, we might be having to disagree, disagree on this one. The GM should make sure that each non-player character, each non-player career turns into an NPC. So that means that they need to be make them into NPCs. They should be part of the story, it seems here, which case they will have history, and that history will then impact the way that those NPCs get played if they turn into PCs. Uh, okay, so so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to uh, the specific things that it says under history. Each one gives you a bonus to, yes. to some move or the other, right? Right, yep. But NPCs can't make moves. Unless they become PCs. Uh, but it doesn't say anything about them becoming PCs. Yeah, it says when the, if one of your characters becomes unplayable later on, um, it says the GM uses the career to suggest the NPC, but the career sheet is only needed if the NPC becomes a player character. Because it's almost like... I mean, and I may be reading, and again, I may be reading into this, and we'll, I'll just move on after you've given your two cents on this. It seems to me like tr- that the whole thing about creating these relationships and so forth is you're trying to create sort of a small town sort of environment where sort of everybody knows everybody, and they're all sort of intertwined in this story. And so by by introducing, it's like one of your characters becomes unplayable. Um, the mystery doesn't disappear. The town is still there. You still care about the people in the town and the mystery. And so instead of introducing a whole brand new person to this town you take on one of the npcs which already has history with the players and so instead of having to create a whole new thing you've kind of got a built-in sort of family of people that are involved in this mystery maybe that's maybe but maybe i'm wrong. Oh. maybe that's not what it's like well yeah but then there's no point in doing the history until that character becomes a player character right uh like like actually the, the mechanical history part like you can reflect back on what's what's happened while they're were an NPC. Uh, sure, but like, let's might say, that in, so could that inform stuff. 
Like, couldn't that inform the story, though? If like, you have a particularly close relationship with, say, the policeman, you're the librarian, but the policeman is not a PC, but that becomes a big part of the game. Right, and then somebody somebody picks up the detective later on. Okay. Right, is what you're saying. And so they, they pick it up, and then you look through each of, like, you, you think about what's happened in the game between those two right. characters. Right. And look at the history and say, okay, so does anything fit now? Right. Uh, right. You're, still, you're still not doing it for an NPC. At that point, you're, you're, you're doing the history for a PC. Right. But, I mean, I can imagine, because the, the history questions, like, could relate to an NPC, though, right? Like, if you're trying to create, see, what I'm asking, I guess, is are you trying to create relationships within the party, so to speak, or are you trying to create relationships within the town? You're trying to create relationships within uh, within the, the the player characters. Okay. Uh, they they will gain like they will necessarily interact with these other members of the town. Okay. Uh, All right. But that's but that's not important. You know, while everybody still has a career, say somebody's somebody dies, they need to grab an NPC and say, "Okay, I'm going to play this guy now." Right. Okay. Well, now everybody else has already interacted with that that character. Right. Uh, after play has started, then you can go through that character's history with other players and fill that in, and it still makes okay. sense because they've interacted with them. They do have a history with them. Right. Uh, it's just generated through play rather than at this beginning setup part. Right, sure. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm imagining a situation where there are four players as opposed to three because every person must therefore miss out is going to miss somebody out, right? Like if you've – oh, no, no, five. You'd be out of luck with five, but it says four. So anyway, okay, let's move on. Okay, so um, they're going to choose stats. They're going to choose those specific moves as it relates to the profession and so forth. Um Hand out the basic moves, introduction, um, go around the table, have each player introduce their character, maybe they'll talk about the history and so forth. Um, yeah, so that's, uh, yeah, okay, that's it then. Okay, that's basically it. We've got lifestyle and bar buying. Um, I've never found that a particularly interesting part of the of a, of a game, um, but I guess it can have an effect on what sort of gear they can get together. But generally speaking, in my experience, People are pretty free with their their money. If they've got a rich character, they're going to just buy stuff for the poor characters, and so it doesn't it doesn't become a thing. But I mean, maybe that's wrong. Maybe I shouldn't be doing that. Do you think that's uh, I, a thing, right? In this game? Yeah, yeah. It, and it's it looks like it's it's pretty generic. Like it it doesn't give you like money or like no, specific no, things no. like one character is well off and one character is not so well off right uh but invariably you know people are going to want things that they normally wouldn't have access to right yes like oh crap there's a there's a giant gibbering technical creature you know yes. sitting in the basement of, of this thing we need some dynamite to go blow it up yep sure you know just deal with this. Uh, so how do they do that? Uh, that's one way of, of, of doing it. Or maybe they need a car and nobody asks what's you know, about, do you have a car? Right. Uh, okay. Um, all right, so let's go into some GM stuff here before we, uh, before we wrap up. Okay, so when it comes okay. to spreading out um, your story, obviously you want to try and keep the spotlight on people. Does Apocalypse World 
and game and dungeon world stuff does it well maybe not dungeon world but does apocalypse world tend to run like into stories that intertwine but don't run together Looks like Sean has gone all together. Okay, well, um, hopefully for anybody that's, uh, that's listening in, that was a useful introduction to um, Black Star's Rise um, and also to um, to Apocalypse World. Um, oh, sounds like Sean's back. Nope. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm here. Oh, well, there I, he is. He's working, I, you, working you totally He's working perfect. Okay, okay, I was just about to sign off. I was almost about to pull the trigger on this episode. Um, okay, so, hold, hold on. Let me let me answer your previous question. Well, you're perfect now. Whatever you did, whatever you fixed, it's it's done. It's it's magic. It's going like it's brand awesome. new. Awesome. Uh, so so to to answer answer the last question that you asked. Yes. Uh, don't let players play NPCs. Right. Uh, Rather, what what I've found is is the most effective thing to do is uh, when when one person's made a move or made some you know done something in the in the fiction. Yes. Uh, at like pick another character, pick another PC, yes. and ask them how they react to what the other PC just did. Right. Uh, or you know. Yeah. Or, or what happened to to the the other PC? Right. Uh, you know, in, in a in a fight, there's no there's no initiative order or anything like that. Right. Sure. Uh, you usually what what I do is you know somebody tries to shoot a guy and and you know that gets resolved. Maybe uh, maybe they took their own shot in the uh, in the course of it, and then I turn to you know one of the other players and and say, okay, so. So you see, you see your buddy just get get shot in the gut and and go down. What are you going to do about that? And then and then resolve their action and go to the next next person. Cool. And you know the you know he just ran through a hail of bullets to 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 go help help your friend. But you've got these two, other two guys bearing down on you. What are you doing? Right. Uh, so yeah, it's 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 kind of up to you to make sure that uh, that the spotlight gets gets bounced around. Right. So, do the do the people's stories tend to run and then sort of like come together and then then spread apart and so forth? Do, do they do people sort of trolley around uh, together for the most part? Uh, no, they they tend to spread apart, in my opinion. Right. Uh, quite quite often. Uh, although uh, there's uh, there there are mechanical benefits to to them being around each other in this game. Right. Uh, through the history, so so that gives yes. gives the players a a good incentive to to be working with each other. Right. Uh, okay. So um, so what about fronts then? Because fronts is a part of um, is a part of Apocalypse World, and it's and correct me if I'm wrong because I, I don't know if I've necessarily got this right, but fronts are. What else is going on in the game? Stuff that's happening in the background, which will ultimately, or perhaps maybe not, um, affect what the PCs experience from day to day. Uh, yes, uh, I always, I, 
I, I always thought that, that the description of fronts in Apocalypse World was a little confusing to me. Right. Uh, I, I, I like to think of them more like uh, fronts are other other things in the game that that want something, right? Uh, right. Usually it's a, it's it's another character, although sometimes it's it's a full-on organization right. uh, that, that that has some kind of need. Yes. Uh, and and so uh, usually you you come up with kind of the the beginnings of them in the first section, right? Uh, and then write that down, and then between sessions, kind of detailing them. Uh, so so in in this game, you know, you start out with a mansion on the hill, yes. uh, and maybe in the course of you know figuring out what's going on with this with this old mansion. Uh, you discover there's a cult. Well, now that cult is a front. Uh, yes, okay. And you sure. and you have to figure out what they want, and it's super important as as the uh, as the MC to make sure, <clears throat> excuse me, to uh, to name all of you know the the people that they interact with, right? You don't you don't want to have them uh, dealing with mooks. Uh, Yes, right. Uh, and, and what's what's really nice is that you've got you've got all, the, all of these NPCs kind of kind of already yes, right, right, right. Within. So, right. Uh, uh, maybe nobody takes the professor. So of course the professor is the the head of the cult. Or maybe nobody grabs the librarian. So of course the librarian has spells and knows them uh, right. and wants to use them to to uh, take over. You know, ex- expand their influence in the town or whatever. Right. You know. Uh, but but those those NPCs should become, uh, you know, I- I- important kind of in their own right. Right. Okay. So, um, what sort of stuff would do you have on hand when you're running um, Apocalypse World? Do you have that list of G uh, um, list of moves for the for the um, MC, is that something? You uh, yeah. Uh, so there, there's uh, it, with Apocalypse World, it comes. Uh, I don't remember if it if it if it comes with it. I think you can just download it from uh, from Vincent's website. Uh, a, a a PDF. I think it's lumply.com. I think it is right. Lumply.com or is it lumplygames.com? I can't remember. Lumply.com or lumplygames.com. I think it's lumply.com, but I think there's also an apocalypseworld.com. Right. Uh, but just apocalypse have... hyphen world, maybe? Uh, yeah, I think that's right. Uh, well, but it's, it's got a P... hyphen world, but apocalypse world. Anyway, yeah, you're on your own there. Look it up. <laughs> uh, but it has a, a, a PDF of uh, right. a whole whole series of trifold uh, sheets. Oh, right, uh, nice. And, and uh, one of them is is the the mc sheet uh right. and then there's several several sheets for describing fronts right. uh and and basic moves and all of the, the the player characters uh stuff so that you have kind of an easy reference to it uh right 
at hand. Yeah, that's what I need to get something like that down, right? So they can look at it and, and figure out what's uh, figure out what's going on. And how long does a session for uh, Apocalypse World last? Like, would you play it for sort of the standard amount of time? Do you find that it's more intense and so he plays for less time, or do you take a break in the middle? Or I mean, I, I guess everybody's different, but um, in your yeah, opinion, I, I tend to play it for three to four hours at a time. Right. Right. Uh, it's kind of kind of over when it's when it's over. Uh, it, since you don't have, uh, you know, you don't have like a a a story arc, a plot that kind of comes out. Right. You're free to to you know, whenever the player characters have dealt with the problems that they need to. Yes. Uh, you know, go ahead and 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 cut there and reassess, or yes. when you get right. tired, or. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Yep, there's nothing particular about it, right? But yeah, now, one of my players um, is uh, his internal frustration is, um, he likes to see his characters uh, advance, and, and fair enough. Like he comes from a sort of world of Warcraft. Um, well, I don't want to say World of Warcraft background, but his first love is probably video games more than it is role-playing games. And he likes seeing his characters advance and stuff like that. Now, in Apocalypse World, there's a, a description of how it goes about advancing, whereas it says that here that advancement is, um, I don't know if they say contextual or something like that, and there's a description about how you would get different moves and who gets the moves from other people first and all that type of stuff. But if you were going to think about um, advancement, or at least you're going to sort of take a rough stab at advancement, how would you imagine advancement working in, in this game? Because there's nothing, uh, nothing written down at all. If you were going to just off the top of your head do something, what would you do? Uh, generally, uh, when you're, when, that's a good question. Um, maybe you don't have an answer, but I'm just thinking, cause that will be one of the, that will be one of the questions I'll be fielding on the first, on the first session, right? Like, you know, what, so how do experience points work? How does my, how does my guy advance? And fair, it's a fair question too. I mean, I'm just curious to know based upon what you know about it, how you might, cause I don't understand the apocalypse world, um, experience points thing at all no um, it it doesn't it doesn't address it let's see what what does it actually say uh um, what it says achieve is, some con considerable victory yes uh you can give them an advancement each advancement lets them choose one new move from any playbook in play yeah uh person playing the character from that playbook gets first dibs if the doctor and detective both have advances and they both want the forensic moves the doctor gets it yeah uh, that's actually pretty cool. Uh, yeah. It, well, basically, what it means is like, do you do you achieve something in the fiction? Because yes. uh, that sort of turns advancement into a move, and it helps if you think of it that way. Right. Uh, with when the character achieves some considerable victory, uh, yes. they can they can choose one move from any playbook and play. Right. Uh, that that's that's totally appropriate. Uh, or would you restrict it to being something in the fiction? What's would that? You, would you restrict it to being something that occurred in the fiction, or would you say there's something that happens in downtime? Like they say, I really want to study forensics, and so in downtime they study this forensic, and that justifies their um, that justifies their advancement in forensics. Uh, no, I would, I would, I would totally make them, you know, make it something 
something that happens in the fiction and not necessarily related to to uh, you know what they you know what they ultimately get. Like you can you can uh, sort of post hoc justify what happens uh, in the downtime between sessions when right. when they advance, right? Yes. Uh, but you know the the thing that triggers advancement is is what comes before. So you know if uh, they save somebody or something that 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 they care about, you know that's like that's that's the focus for for you know what happens in the playing of the game. Right. Uh, and achieving that is what is going to trigger the advancement, and then right. the advancement you know you you can you can gloss over the actual time uh you know with with a bit of narration right uh but the two the two things don't necessarily have to directly relate right okay uh, fair so can you ever put stats up because i took a look at the i took a look at the um i seem to remember there being something about putting up one of your stats one or is that something that doesn't happen you don't get to put stats up like in Apocalypse World, do you put stats up, or do they stay as they are? Uh, in Apocalypse World, uh, there are specific. Uh, so, so Apocalypse World does uh, the way they do character improvement is uh, there's a list of things that you can get. Yes. Uh, and as you mark them off, those things no no longer apply. Uh, right. Are no longer available anymore. Yeah. Uh, uh, I'm, and I'm just kind of looking. Uh, I happen to be looking at the Skinner right now. There's a there's a box and it just says uh, get plus one cool up to a maximum of two. Uh, right. That's on there twice. Yes. Uh, or get a hard or a sharp. Uh, and those are the uh, so they can never advance weird. Huh? That's kind of cool. Uh, but but each time they they do it, you know they can they can no longer get that uh, get that improvement again. Uh, really, it's it's kind of boring if you if you uh, I you you can you can usually only max out at plus three on anything. Right. So, yeah, that's what I, yeah, exactly. That's the, that's what I was thinking, right? Because that's one thing I remember. I just couldn't remember where I'd read that. Okay, so generally speaking, you would say it's less interesting to advance stats, so don't allow stats to advance or don't <laughs> encourage stats and stat advancement. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't do it. I mean, if if uh, if if you see some compelling reason why why that right. would happen, I don't see uh, I don't see why they, you know, you should you should completely. Say no, that that can that can never happen. Right. But that's really like that's that only makes them get better at the things they can already do. Yes. Uh, but it also yes. makes it less likely for the interesting things to happen. Right. Like like there's there's almost no point in playing if they just succeed all the time. Uh, at right. that point, they they you may as well throw in the the advancement that says my character retires to safety. Right, and, exactly. Yeah, well, exactly. That's that's what I was wondering about, right? Whether they're going to pass, we're going to pass on the pass on the torch, rather than um, rather than kick out. Now there is a mention there of retiring a character because they become unplayable, but I forget exactly what the. I think maybe they've got too many 
um, things, but I can, I can look that up. Okay, um, so the last thing then is, let's try this Q&A thing. There's one viewer. I wonder who this one viewer is. <laughs> I'm opening the I'm opening the, to audience questions. Let's see if this audience person uh, actually asks us a question while we're uh, while we're winding down here. Um, so yeah, okay. So that's something you're going to give that a try. That game, you think, Sean? Yeah, yeah. That's 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 totally fine. I um, yeah, because that's how I'm running it. So I think I'm going to go for a sort of medium-sized town. I don't know how I'm going to make the bag goes. I think I'll try one of these. Uh, one of the set of, set of setups that they've got here. But so, what preparation would you do ahead of time? Uh, for for this game, I would pretty much just read this uh, and pick one of the two setups. Right. And that's it. Right. Uh, I would. Uh, I would probably have. Uh, you know, if if you're if you're already picking, uh, you know, say the, say the mansion on the hill, maybe a, a a quick sketch of of the mansion or a quick sketch of the town, right, uh, right, with with a lot of blanks in it. Yes, yeah, exactly. For, for things to be thing filled I in. Is, I was going to draw a town of some kind, well, like you say, with some big blanks, or maybe at least of a main street, and figure out where. And I mean, it has to be America, right? Uh I don't suppose I I don't see why it could be it could be any Canadian town too. It'd be just like yeah, an American my town. Feeling is it's, my feeling is going to be somewhere. It's got to be somewhere in America, somewhere on the east, <laughs> the old part of America, somewhere on the east coast of America. I'm so thinking, some maybe not, maybe creepy like New England town. town. Yeah, exactly. What I'm thinking. I mean, if it's supposed to be sort of like Call of Cthulhu wish, then it would make sense for it to have you know like that old kind of oldy worldy sort of gothic horror type feel to it, right? That that sounds good to me. Or the South. That place is creepy. Yeah. <laughs> Hello to all our viewers in the South. Um, we, know, can't, uh, we can't um, open, apparently we can't open the Q&A unless we do it right at the very start of the show. So, oh, okay. So, so our one viewer who's desperately trying to figure out what they're doing wrong, it's like we lost our ineptitude that's, uh, that's causing a problem. Um, Maybe it's Kristen in the other room that's watching. Um, but anyway, I think that's it, Sean. I think that uh, I've got a pretty good uh, handle on what's going on here. I'll, uh, and I'll let everybody know what happens. I'm running it on Friday, so I've got a few days I might write back and forth. But, um, but yeah, I've got some more. Sage Latora will be episode 79. He's one of the authors of this. So watch out for episode 80, which will be, um, which will be Sage. Um, and then I'll post – I'll put some of these questions to him as well, perhaps, to – well, do we have anything unresolved? If you're gonna, here we go. If you're gonna ask Sage some questions, Sean, what would those questions be? I'll write them down. Then I'll actually ask them. Is there anything you want to ask him particularly? Oh Jesus, uh, I don't. That came up in the context of this. Uh, that came up in the context of, of this. Uh, yes. I, I would probably ask uh, <laughs> why uh, why these particular breaks because uh, some of them are hilarious to me. Right. Uh, like baby Tobin's fifth, always having ding, 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 yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. going on in your head. Like I, I, I love these, yes. uh, but I'm just kind of like, what, what, where did that come from? Right. Is it, do you, do you think there is a sense of that? There is a sense of creating a little bit of levity in the game. Is that maybe what's, uh, I, I think at first, 
like if it, if it were me running this game, I would just I would run with it as the MC so hard that mm. the players would be yelling at me <laughs> by the end of it. And I like well, I I feel like that's the intention. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Because if you can if you can make the players crazy, their characters will be crazy. Mm. Well, is the do you think that ignoring every because it doesn't say it in all of them, but do you think it'd be good to make everything a risk if you try to ignore your uh, your um, if you try to ignore your uh, break or the consequences of your break, um, it should be a risk. Because uh, not all of them say that. No, no. Like I, I, I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't for 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 most of them, uh, unless unless the rules for it specifically say to. Mm. Uh, but I would. Uh, I would probably blur the lines between player and character a little bit. Uh, you know, if, if every, you know, every few seconds, you know, the player character is trying to just, or the player is trying to describe what his character does. And you just break in with a right, right. Uh, over and over, like until they start yelling, then the right. NPCs are going to be reacting to how they're reacting. Yes. Yeah. Because I can see it have an actual effect on their um, on what it is they're able to do. But again, we're into that area where maybe we shouldn't be messing around with people's um, character, right? Like that's one of the big things in Apocalypse World. Mess yeah. around with the characters in some ways, but not in, in other ways. Anyway, you'll have to read about that. But um, all right, okay. Well, I think that'll do. Sean, I'm going to go to uh, bed. I think we've been going about two and a bit hours. There, so that's the longest episode in about a year, probably. Um, <laughs> Sorry. But not, don't be sorry. It's, uh, I mean, um, the only no, no, the only people that need sorriness is probably maybe Kristen. Uh, my wife may <laughs> just come home herself, so I'm not holding anybody up on my end. But um, but yeah, it's uh, it was good to talk to you about that. I'm going to run it on Friday. I'll let you know, let everybody know how that went. Maybe in a little bit. I'll ask that one question from uh, for uh, Sage. Um, but uh, it's goodbye from me. And from me. And until next week, keep talking the walk. Mm-hmm.